It's episode nine of House of the Dragon. Does it live up to other episode nines in the Game of Thrones universe where all the crazy shit happens? Or is it a letdown? I'm going to discuss it right here. It's the Watchers on the Couch. Welcome back to Watchers on the Couch. Today we are discussing episode nine of the HBO hit series House of the Dragon. This episode is entitled The Green Council, and if you were wondering if this episode title has any special meaning, it does. There's a small council scene that's at the very beginning of this episode that doesn't last very long. I'm Tim, and I am by myself this week. Mike had some family stuff going on, so he could not join us. So we wish Mike all the best and all of our love. We look forward to seeing him next week for the season finale. I say we, it's just me here. I'm just so used to doing this in a plural. So in this episode, I'll give you my initial thoughts. I'll do the recap and I'll talk to you a little bit about what I think is going to happen in the season finale. My in-depth breakdown of the season finale trailer will hit YouTube shortly after this episode goes live, I think within the next day or so, but let's get into it. Initial thoughts. This episode, the green council on a scale from Dracarys to Dohiris, should we kill it with fire or does it serve? Um, for me, this episode is a Dohiris, but there's definitely some Dracarys moments in it. Overall, I like this story. I think it has some major pacing problems. They rushed through some major shit in this episode. Like, I think they really rushed the Green Council stuff at the beginning of the episode. So I watch the behind-the-scenes stuff that airs at the end of the show, too, and they talk about how they really like the script for this episode. It's kind of a race against time and there's like supposed to be adrenaline, like who's going to get to Aegon first? And it's like, well, what difference does it make? Like, there's no real stakes there, right? It's either Otto gets to him first, which means Aegon becomes king, or Alicent gets to him first, which means Aegon becomes king. So the only real stakes with that is whether or not Aegon is going to order Rhaenyra's family to death or imprisonment or whatever, which we already know that's going to happen because otherwise there wouldn't be a show. So there's nothing, there's nothing really, there's no stakes to this, this chase. We spend a lot of time with characters that we don't know anything about, Eric and Eric. And if you think I'm being an asshole by pronouncing them exactly the same way, let's, uh, let's see what the showrunner has to say about these two. Can you, uh, can you tell me their names, please? Over the course of episode nine, Eric and Eric, uh, show us that they are not in sync. I'm sorry. What's that? Eric is okay with following orders. Eric feels more and more that his brother is lost. And during the capture of Egon, Eric doesn't do anything. Okay, cool. So yeah, at least, at least we cleared that up. But what I did like is they introduced some dynamics within the Hightower family, or within the Greens, I guess. I shouldn't really call them the Hightower family. But we have... Otto and Allison not really being on the same page. Allison's kind of realized that she's become Otto's pawn or was always Otto's pawn. And she's just kind of coming into her own a little bit and taking charge. So I'm hoping they don't rush through that. I know this, this show is the blacks versus the greens as it appears in fire and blood for the most part, but it would be interesting to add that extra little flavor to make the show a bit more interesting. Otherwise the conflict's really binary and it doesn't really, it's not that, it's not that compelling uh, long-term. I don't think unless, unless dance of dragons is only a season long. And then the further seasons of house of the dragon 
include things beyond the Dance of the Dragon. The other thing I like is the conflict between Aegon and Aemond. Aemond doesn't want to be king. Sorry, Aegon doesn't want to be king. Aemond wants to be king, and there's kind of like a sibling hatred or contestion towards each other, which I enjoy as well. And it kind of makes me wonder, like, will Aemond actually help Aegon get away and disappear? Or will Aemond kill Aegon and take the crown? Like, how many how many times can we usurp this throne? So just some interesting interesting plots that they're introducing. But if it's anything like the rest of this series has been up until now, I feel like they're just going to blow right through it. And they're going to either resolve it really quick. And it's going to be like, well, why did you spend so much time showing us this if you're not going to... If you're not going to explore it some more, it's like, oh, because we need to get to the war. It's like, okay. All right. Whatever. But enough of that. Let's get in to our recap. We open on an empty hall. It's the middle of the night or real early in the morning before people are up. And we see that a little servant boy has apparently discovered the king is dead or someone has told him the king is dead. And he goes to the kitchen to tell Talia. I think it's Talia who we know is a spy for the White Worm. So Talia wakes up Alicent to let her know, and Alicent tells her to tell no one else and to stay in Alicent's room. From there, we go to the Hand of the King's room, I think. I think this is Otto's quarters, where Alicent is talking with Otto and tells him that Viserys told her that he wanted Aegon to be the king, which, of course, he didn't. We all know that, which makes this... I don't know about anybody else. I'm very frustrated still. I think I mentioned this last episode, but I feel like this whole thing of the misunderstanding of the Aegon prophecy is just a really weak thing that they're exploring or a justification that they're using for this. Not necessarily for the characters, but as the show, it's like, well, what if she just heard this old man blathering and misunderstood it? And that's why we have a war. It's like, oh, jeez. There's so many issues with that this show has that relies on people not actually acting how people act. If that, if my sentence that I just said makes any sense, I don't know if it does, but it's like nobody talks to each other at all. Like when we don't see them during the time jumps, these people don't communicate with each other at all. At any rate, whatever. So we're going to cut over to the Green Council sometime later, where Otto informs everybody that while they grieve their king and their friend, He's left them a gift and tells them about what Allison says. Allison said that the king said on his deathbed that he wants Aegon to be king. And Tylen Lannister is like, oh, so then we can move forward with our long laid plans, knowing that we have his blessing, which, oh, this is this is bad. This is really bad. This is bad writing. This is a really ham fisted way of delivering that information to the viewer. It is it is so forced. It's like, well, why don't you twirl your mustache while you're at it, Thailand? Jesus Christ. But we get to see that Lord Beesbury and Sir Harold are like, wait a minute, what the fuck's happening here? And Allison isn't keen on this either. I mean, she knows she wants, we know we, she wants Aegon on the throne, but she's like, wait a minute, you've been planning on installing my son on the throne without consulting me? But like, she shouldn't feel alone. They didn't include Lord Beesbury here either. So he's not having any of it. He even says, I will not have this. I'll have the soup. Thank you. Um, he's known Viserys for longer than anyone. And he's not buying this bullshit that suddenly 
Viserys changed his mind. He stands up and says, by all accounts, the king was well last night, which <laughs> I don't know what the fuck, what fucking accounts those are, because this old bean hasn't been well in 20 fucking years. But no matter, he insinuates that the king was probably killed. So then Kristen Cole, piece of shit that he is, tells the old man to sit down and then slams his head into the table, busting Lord Beesbury's skull into one of those stupid speaking balls that they all have, which is probably, that's probably the only reason they're even in this show for this scene. We don't see them in Game of Thrones. This is something they invented for House of the Dragon. And it's probably just so they could have this scene. It's like, oh, well, what if we uh, slam this guy's head onto it at some point? Well, why would that ball be there? It's like, well, because we... We're going to introduce them as something Viserys likes. He likes speaking balls. It's like, okay. But yeah, Cole straight up murders this guy. And Harold draws his sword and tells him to put the sword down and take off his cloak. So Cole draws his sword in turn and says he won't suffer insults to the queen. And the queen tells him there was no insult and to put his sword away, which he does. So as per usual, no consequence for any of Cole's actions, which is fucking exhausting at this point. And his character, not the actor, the actor is great, but Cole's continued presence is actually actively ruining my enjoyment of this show. Like, I'm tempted to skip scenes with him in it after this episode. So Harold rightly is like, has it come to this? And then Otto tells him that that's enough. That's enough, Lord Commander. It's like, what? I didn't just fucking bean this dude. I didn't turn Lord Beesbury into Lord Bees Buried. Fuck you. But then the High Maester is like, let's have this body removed. And Otto was like, nope, everyone stays here until we are done. Allison asks, what about Renera? And Otto tells her that, well, she and her family can't remain free. She'll have the opportunity opportunity to swear obstinance. Obstinance? Is that how you say obstinance? What a weird word. To Aegon. And Allison says that neither her nor Damon will bend to the bend the knee, and that Otto fucking knows that. So basically he plans to kill them. And everyone at this table is okay with this. And even the Grand Maester is like, you know, Otto is right. If there's contention for the throne, it's only gonna bring more bloodshed. So, you know, I've been saying it for at least half my life, and I'll say it again. Never trust a holy person. Alicent puts her foot down on this, and she says the king wouldn't want his daughter to be murdered. But then when Tyland asks her for her own suggestion, she doesn't have one. So Otto orders Sir Harold to assemble his men and go to Dragonstone and to be quick and clean, which, meanwhile, Otto once again forgets that they have dragons at Dragonstone. Like, they're not going to—these people have armor and shit. They're not going to sneak in and assassinate people. Especially if they have to cross that bridge. But Harold pulls a Barristan Selmy move. Although Sem I guess Selmy technically did get fired, but all the same. He takes off his cloak and is all I'm the Lord Commander of the King's Guard. I recognize no authority but that of the king. So until you get yourselves one, I'm out of here. Peace, bitch. And he walks off. And I thought for sure Cole was gonna stab him in the back, but no, he leaves. Uh Harold apparently apparently Apparently, uh, Harold apparently survives this episode, which is nice. So hopefully we see him end up in Dragonstone, maybe. I guess it depends on if he's actually loyal to Rhaenyra or if he just doesn't want any skullduggery. No dastardly deeds. So Alicent and Otto go to Aegon and Helena's room. 
because, you know, they are married and have had babies. Allison was all grodied out by the idea of Rhaenyra maybe banging Damon. But her own kids, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Helena says Aegon isn't here, so Otto leaves to look for him. And Helena asks what's happened. And when Allison starts to tell her about Viserys, she goes back into this whole there's a beast beneath the boards thing, which... Mike and I thought last episode that that might be code for the spy network, but we actually find out later that it was pretty fucking literal. So that's cool. So Otto tells Sir Eric, not Eric, to go find Aegon, but to take his brother Eric. So I think I'll call them Eric and Eric from now on, because you can't trust anybody to understand what that is. I think even the closed captioning gets confused. Like the subtitles, I'm pretty sure, mixed up their name at least once. But yeah, take your brother, remove your cloaks, and tell no one who they are looking for, not even the queen, and to bring Aegon to Otto, and Otto alone. Rhaenys wakes up and to find out that she's locked in her room, and she sees from her window that people in the keep are getting locked up, including Talia the Spy, uh, and outside the bars, though, is uh, Lara Strong, who I thought could not be a more creepy fuck. But boy, did this show put him on a rocket ship to planet Creepsville. But we won't rush into that. So Allison knows that Otto sent Eric out, presumably from Laris. She sends Cole out to find Aegon, and Amond basically tells her that he's going to come with because Eric isn't the only one who knows what a piece of shit his brother is and what he gets up to. And it's interesting to point out here that when Allison is tasking Cole with this, she says, everything you feel for me as your queen. There's like a pause there. So I don't know if we're supposed to insinuate that there's actually, they're more than friends or something like that. But Cole and Amond are in Flea Bottom looking for Aegon when Amond takes Cole to a house of ill repute, I think is how you would say that. And Aegon apparently took Aemon there once when they were kids to get his dick wet, which, ugh. Meanwhile, I'm going to reiterate again, like he says, like when we were kids, regardless of the showrunners saying, what did Condal say? That the kids are all 17 to 21 now? Bullshit. Only 16 years have passed in this world. So Aemond, the guy with the eye patch, is at most 16 years old, and that's being generous. Because, realistically, both Amond and Jace would be under 10 years old in episode 6 and 7. So, really, Amond is like 15 years in this world. And we're being nice and rounding up a whole year for the sake of there maybe being like up to 6 months on both the 10-year time jump and the 6-year time jump. Like, on either side of those. Because... Even though Reyna says that Corliss has been gone six years, then yeah, maybe there was a little more time that passed, but not too much more. Corliss would have been one of the first ships out to lead the charge in the Stepstones when the Triarchy resurfaced. So, anyway, realistically, if we're following actual show logic and or like the timeline that the show's established and not what the showrunners tell us, realistically, Aegon is like 19 or 20, Helena is 17 or 18, Amon and Jace are 15 or 16 if if both Alicent and Rhaenyra got knocked up shortly after Rhaenyra's wedding to Laenor. But Rhaenyra said that she and Laenor tried for a while first before she hooked up with Harwin. So 
Jace is probably more like 14 or 15, Luke less than 14, and then Joffrey about six and a half at this point, and Aegon and Viserys, the babies, I don't know, probably one and two. So of the only, only Aegon and Helena are in the age range that Ryan Condal mentioned. So they can't even get their own fucking timelines right. They can't even, they don't even know which Eric is Eric or which Eric is Eric. Too many Aegons, too many Erics. Anyhow, yeah, Aemon tells Cole that he went there to get it wet. And then Cole is all, every woman is an image of the mother to be spoken of with reverence. Unless, of course, you're Renera, in which case you're a spoiled cunt. Fuck you, Cole. So back in the Red Keep, Otto makes the lords and ladies swear fealty to Aegon in preparation for the coronation. And some people don't, because you're making people break oaths, which some folks take seriously. So the ones that don't, they get hauled away. So you have a you have like an impossible choice here. It's like either break your oath and be like shunned in like the or like punished in the eyes of the gods, or <laughs> break your or don't break your oath and get your fucking head cut off. So you'd think like the Hightower family, like there's there's like these seven pointed stars all over the place now, thanks to Allison being born again or whatever. But you know, Otto. Otto doesn't seem too keen on oaths made and things like that. So that's interesting. Nice little bit of, I like to see that religious hypocrisy isn't only limited to the planet Earth. It's also on Planetos. But Lord Caswell, who is the only person to greet Renera and Damon upon their return to King's Landing last episode, reluctantly bends the knee to save his own hide. But that ends up being for naught because he immediately gets captured when he goes to leave because Laris rats him out. Which, this is also another sloppy thing that happens in this episode because there's no one here saying that he can't leave. Like, they're opening the gates for him and then it's suddenly, where were you going in such a hurry? Off to warn Renera? And it's like, what hurry? Like, unless he was ordered to stay there, then all that shit's really weak. But Otto says he'll face the king's justice. And then Otto and Laris have a conversation, and Otto gives away that he knows that Allison and Laris have been spending time together. And Laris uh, just completely, uh, pretty much betrays Allison and goes, sure, but there's no reason that that time that I've spent can't ultimately benefit him. Uh, I jumped ahead a little bit for narrative's sake. Let's, uh, let's rewind back to Eric and his brother Eric, Eric and Eric are on the hunt for Aegon, and they stumble across a Chuck E. Cheese, but instead of a ball pit, there's a fighting pit, which is real cool, guys. And again, this is where I'm using the subtitles to tell me who's who when it mentions it. So Eric asks how old they are, and Eric says about 10. They sharpen their nails and teeth to make them more formidable. And Eric is like, your boy Aegon spends a lot of time here. You see what a piece of shit he is? Oh, just kidding. I'm not even finished. Look over there. Uh, he's fathering bastards and leaving them to fight in the Kitty Fight Club. And this is where I think the closed captioning gets screwed. Because in the closed captioning, or the subtitles, it says, Eric is like, something must be done about this. Aegon is unfit to rule. And you, Eric, have been tolerating this. And then Eric tells him, because it's because it's his sworn duty, Eric. They swore an oath of service until death. So I don't know if I got, I don't think I got confused. I think I read those subtitles right. But at any rate, one of White Worms' contacts approached them 
telling them that she'll give the whereabouts of Aegon to the hand of the king. Meanwhile, Alicent visits Rhaenys, and Alicent tries to convince her to back Aegon's claim to the throne, because backing Rhaenyra's horse hasn't gotten her anything except some dead kids. And we find out that apparently Rhaenys' dragon is locked up. I'm not sure how one does that, like if a dragon doesn't want to be locked up, but that's fine. I get there's dragon handlers, but still. Without the dragon, Rhaenyra might be compelled to negotiate. As long as Rhaenys is under lock and key, Alicent tells Rhaenys that she should have been queen, but they do not rule. They guide the men that do. That is their role. Rhaenys tells her that she toils in the service of men and asks her if she's never imagined herself on the throne. Alicent leaves her and says she'll await Rhaenys' decision. Meanwhile, throughout some of this, Amon's been venting to Cole about how it's kind of bullshit that they're searching for his wastrel brother who doesn't even want the crown. And that he'd be more suited to it, because he reads histories, he trains with the sword, and Aegon is just a creep. But they spot Eric and Eric with Otto speaking with the White Worm. And we get what appears to be a genuine reaction from Otto when he finds out that the White Worm is Myseria? Is that her name? Uh, Mycera? Myseria? Which, no points for me on that one, because I was suspecting that he knew it was her, and that they might have been in contact even earlier. Because a lot of the shit that Damon supposedly does throughout this season, like the air for a day toast, for instance, all that shit always happens off screen, and we find out through hearsay. So I suspected that Damon actually never really said the air for a day thing, and it was actually Mysteria who told Otto he said that, but it seems like that is not the case. Anyway, White Worm's whole thing here is that she's nabbed Aegon and is hiding him, but she'll give the information over if the Kitty Fight Club gets shut down. And Otto says he'll look into it. She has his word. And I'm translating all of that for the people that couldn't get past my serious accent in this scene, because I actually really haven't been bothered about bothered with it up until this episode. And even I have to admit that this was fucking rough, man. Her accent isn't even consistent between episodes. And this one was it was pretty obnoxious. Anyway, Aegon's apparently hanging out in the Sept, or Temple, or I guess, I think it's a Sept. The closed captioning says that Eric tells Aegon that his location was sold out for a price, and then Aegon asks why they paid it, which makes Eric look at his brother. Um, but Eric, sorry, uh, Aegon tries to split. He says he wants his mommy, and run and goes to run but eric says that the hand will meet him outside the city walls Aegon makes a run for it gets tackled by eric who tells him that he flees what other men die seeking and then eric starts hauling him down the steps when he's confronted by cole and amond and Aegon makes another break for it and amon gives chase while cole and eric have it out and here's the thing. I'm actually remembering that this is Eric doing this, but I have Eric in my notes because in this scene, he shouts up to his brother, if you're going to help. And it says that Eric says this, not Eric, but Eric is the one fighting Cole. So the subtitles again, fucked up. They got their, they mixed up their Eric's. Amon and Aegon exchange some words in their struggle, Amon hoping that Aegon had disappeared, that their father is in fact dead, and they're going to make him king. So, 
Aegon spits in his face, tries to get away again. Eric calls out if his brother's going to help him, but it says Eric in the captioning, which fucked my notes up. Um, so Eric is standing apart of all of this looking down when Cole starts to kick Eric's ass. So he takes takes Eric's sword away, and Eric turns around and leaves. So Aegon is shouting that he has, has no wish to rule and that he isn't suited, and Aemon agrees. He's like, you'll get no argument from me. And Aegon pleads with Aemon to let him go so th- and that he'll find a ship and pull a Lanor and, or a Gendry and just start rowing, never be seen again. But Cole says, hey, fuck boy, the queen is waiting for you, and hauls Aegon off, and Aemon is left there, standing there a moment, considering... Back in the hands chambers, Otto congrats Alicent on playing the game well. And speaking of game, Alicent has figured out that the two of them were never really aligned, and she was just a game piece that Otto moved about the board, and that she only ever wanted what he impressed on her to want. And now the debt comes due, and that debt is Renera and her family being a sacrifice that Otto's happy to make. He says he understands if she's squeamish about doing what needs to be done to protect the realm, and she counters that reluctance to murder isn't weakness, and that doesn't matter, she has Aegon now, and they'll proceed how she deems fit. They're going to send Rhaenyra some terms that she can accept without shame, and Otto says if she lives, or if she's left alive, her supporters will rally behind her, waiting for her return. And then uh, Allison says then Rhaenyra must not return. And that Kristen Cole will be named Lord Commander of the Kingsguard, which, great, he's very deserving of it. But they're not going to drag their feet. Aegon's getting anointed at dawn tomorrow. Aegon's getting anointed at dawn tomorrow with Aegon the Conqueror's crown and his sword. And all of King's Landing must bear witness. And Otto was all, I didn't hear a word you just said. You look so much like your mother sometimes. And Alicent rolls her eyes and walks away. Then she goes to her room where Lord Larry already is. And Larry tells her about the the, uh, the spy network in exchange for seeing her feet. They apparently have this gross little game where Laris posits a question that Alicent would probably want or need an answer to. In this case, how Otto is finding out things ahead of her. And in exchange, she does a foot strip tease with her shoes and her stockings and finds out that Talia is spying on her. And Laris tells her there's a way to shut down the whole spy network thing by taking out the head, White Worm. And Allison asks if this is something that he can do, and he says, well, if you ask it of me, I'll take care of it. So she puts her feet up on the couch and turns away from him, and Laris proceeds to uh, manhandle the little maester, so to speak, and this is the worst. It's It's so gross to me, everything about this. I hate it. I hate it so much. Let's just cut off this guy's bad leg and beat him to death with it. Anyway, uh, it's nighttime now, and Rainus is in her room when Eric busts in. Now my notes are correct, because this is where HBO's closed captioning got their shit together. Uh, Eric busts in and says, hey, this place blows. Let's get out of here. So he sneaks Rainus out, and she sees that they've hung Lord Caswell. So unfortunately, we've lost a pretty decent ally for Rhaenyra, although one they just kind of blew through and didn't really establish his character very well. Outside of, here's this guy's face, we know he likes Rhaenyra. Also in the middle of the night, uh, one of Larys's B-men have 
Bee Gees have burned down the White Worm's place, presumably with her inside, but we don't see her die, so who knows. It's immediately morning again, and Rainus and Eric are still in the streets of King's Landing, and Rainus wants to get to the dragon pit, to her dragon. And Eric is like, nope, that's the first place they're going to look. Which, okay, but she's the one with the dragon, so unless Amon is going to wake up and get down there with his dragon, what the fuck does that matter? But he says, nope, you got to get on a boat. But there's a commotion for the coronation separates Eric and Rainus, and Rainus goes her own way. While Alicent and Aegon share a cab to the keep where Aegon is still mopey and is like, dad didn't want me to have this. He didn't like me. And Alicent said, no, with his dying breath, he said that he wanted you to be king. And she gives him the cat's paw dagger. And tells him that Otto will counsel him to kill Rhaenyra and her family. And that he must reject this counsel. They can't rule through terror and fear. And then he asks Allison, do you love me, mommy? And she calls him an imbecile. In a loving way. Every, every child loves it when their mother calls them stupid. Raina sees that the crowd is going towards the keep. And she's like, cool, I'll head that way too. So the coronation begins. And... Otto has announced that the king is dead, Viserys the Peaceful, but he proclaimed that Aegon should succeed him as king, his firstborn son. So a slow clap grows into actual clapping, actual applause. Arms are presented and in comes Aegon and he gets up there and they, uh, the high maester or whatever. Grand Maester, not whatever, either way, he's getting oil on his head in the name of the new gods. So Raina slips away before Kristen Cole puts the crown of Aegon the Conqueror on Aegon II's head. Aegon rises as king and turns to the crowd, and people start to cheer. He's like, cheering? That's cool. Here's my sword. More cheering. People fucking love swords. And then kaboom! The ground explodes and out comes the dragon. I shit you not. There are thousands of people in this place, like within the doors. Go back and pause and see just how many people are inside. Like Rainus just crushed a bunch of fucking people, man. Men, women, kids, whatever. And everyone up on the dais is like, oh shit, we're going to die now. And Rainus looks down on them with her dragon. And Alicent moves forward in front of the new king who cowers behind her. Not that anyone should blame her, him for that, but she's, she tells Cole to get to Helena. Meanwhile, they're all just standing there. Like, okay, Cole moves to Helena, but they're still like right where the dragon's going to be. Like, nobody's running for safety. We're all just going to sit here and burn, but they're <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> get to my daughter. Your daughter's right here. We'll get her out of here. No, we'll stand here. Thanks. At any rate, Allison braces herself to get burned to death, but the dragon just roars and Rainus flies off and we fade to black. And that's the episode. Real cool, right? Big crazy ending to the second to last episode. Yeah, kinda. It is cool, but it's also real fucking stupid. It doesn't make any sense. I had some big issues with the scene as it was happening. Like, it took me out of the show immediately. This wasn't a case of me thinking about something afterwards. That dragon, as that dragon was coming out of the ground, I'm immediately like, wait, how can this even happen? This doesn't make any sense. She was only gone for a minute 
of both screen time and real time. Like, how does a dragon even come up from a ground from the ground like that? How is that dragon even in that location? And I'll get to that in a minute. But it's the kind of thing that if you call this out online, people will attack you. But meanwhile, the same people will turn around and talk about how simple and bad the writing on Rings of Power is. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but House of the Dragon has been way worse for this in the back half of this season. The whole Rainus ending doesn't like sit right in a story like this. This isn't like Game of Thrones. This is like a game of Dungeons and Dragons. And you ask the character what they want to do. And she's like, well, I want to sneak away and get to my dragon and come up through the floor. And you as the game master is like, well, the dragon pits are actually over here. And then the player just argues with you. It's like, well, the dragon pits have tunnels, right? Can't, can't there be tunnels there? I think there should be tunnels there. And my dragon should be captive right underneath where the ceremony is happening. And you're just like, oh, okay, well, roll to search for your dragon. Oh, cool. I got a natural 20. Okay. Yeah. You know what, Rhaenyra's? Sure. You go down the steps and your dragon is right there. Great. I climb on the dragon's back and we bust through the ground. Well, the pit's actually a bit deeper below ground than that. You actually don't have the clearance to fly straight up. If that were the case, then this whole floor above would just have caved in a long time ago. I would say that maybe the dragon can tunnel through, but if you're on its back, you're going to have to make some saving throw not to get crushed by falling rock. Oh, okay. Uh, hey, natural 20 again. Oh, fuck me. Okay, sure, Rainus, why not? Rule of cool. You and Malus bust through the floor, and not only do you not get killed by the earth falling on you on your way up, you don't even get fucking dirty. So the House of the Dragon Riders do the rule of cool here rather than what makes sense. So, I don't know, maybe the dragon pits do go under, and maybe her captive dragon was right there, and maybe there were no guards. Eric said that she wouldn't make it through the gate, but maybe it's just there. that's just the gate. Maybe there's stairs right there that anyone can go down to get to a captive dragon. Which, by the way, dragon has to be right there, because she wasn't gone that long. Gone just long enough for a thumb across the forehead and a crown to be placed on his head. That was like one minute, maybe a minute 30 max. So her dragon is immediately underground there. Kids aren't the age they're supposed to be. Hostile dragon in the worst possible spot. And a war that could be prevented if one less person was named fucking Aegon. But sure, it's rings to power that does what's convenient for the sake of plot. Anyway, surface level, sure, it's cool. It looks cool. Turn your brain off. Watch the dragon show. It's fine. But don't tell me the show has amazing writing and story in the same breath. This show was not smart. And fucking Ryan Condal again, Mr. I don't know how long 16 years is, is all. Rainus could have killed them all and ended this war. But she decided to actually, you know what? Let, let's let's hear from him. I'll play that clip of what he says. She knows if she sets fire to that dais, she ends any possibility of war and probably sets peace throughout the realm. But I think probably doesn't want to be responsible for doing that to another mother. And that's a, it's, it's a complex choice and one that people might dispute or have a problem with. But that's the choice Rhaenys makes in that moment. Yeah, of course there's a problem with it. Of course it should be disputed. She just killed a bunch of mothers, ruined who knows how many families just now because the writers thought this scene would be cool. And it's exactly what it was. The writers said, well, I'll back up. I'll play this other clip. We needed a penultimate scene. So we tried to come up with what's the worst thing that could possibly happen at the coronation and realized that it was a dragon to be let loose. 
So Miguel just says, we need, what can happen here? What if a dragon came up? That's all. That's the extent of thinking that went into this scene. This scene will look cool. And then we find out that the rationale is that she doesn't want blood on her hands. So she's just going to peace out and let this war happen, which guess what? Doing that puts blood on her hands and you've made Rainus not to be a fucking imbecile. So she'd probably make that connection. So call it what it actually is. You wanted to write in a crazy dragon moment, so everybody goes, oh shit, man, on social media. They're, oh shit, did you see that? That shit's crazy. But you can't have her torch these people because then the story's over. No season two if the high towers get burned to death. So instead, you just bullshit some lame justification on the behind the scenes that the character you've established probably wouldn't really have. But yeah, fine. It looked cool. Good job, guys. So I know I ranted a bit there. But, you know, I did, I, I really did enjoy the episode for the most part. But these behind the scenes things, man, I don't know. I, maybe I need to stop watching it, but I feel like I need to, I, I feel like I have to, if Mike's not going to watch him, I have to watch it. Like somebody needs to know the behind the scenes to bring it to you, the people. So I'll be doing a breakdown of the episode 10 trailer, the trailer for the season finale that will be up on YouTube probably within the next day or two. I did watch the preview already, so but only once. So my speculation is slightly tainted, but not too much. I haven't deep dived into it yet, but it seems obvious that we should see the Rhaenyra and Damon side of things in Dragonstone after this full episode spent in King's Landing. We know that the throne is the major source of conflict. Um, again, I haven't read Fire and Blood, but I think I suspect we'll see the death of somebody in the finale. So, because so far the stakes have just been who's going to get the throne, right? Like there hasn't been any major blows to either side in this conflict. It's basically just been uh, a series of setbacks on either side. So if I come at this from the angle of a writer or a storyteller or a dungeon master or whatever have you, something catastrophic needs to happen to either Rhaenyra or Alicent to really set them against each other. So last we saw them together, they were estranged from each other and combative, but it ended with maybe some common ground. So at any rate, fuck that. We need to scorch the earth for that finale, right? And what better way to do that? Uh, than to kill one or more of the kids to really vilify the other side. And if I had to put money on it, which I absolutely won't, because I was convinced going into this episode that Harold was a goner, but I think we could see Helena or Luke killed in this finale. I think if Helena got killed, that it would be kind of a tragic accident kind of thing that Crazy Allison just blames on uh, Rhaenyra and her family. Uh, but I can absolutely see tensions rise enough that Amond gets revenge on Luke and kills him, throwing a whole wrench into whatever compliance Alicent is hoping to get from Rhaenyra to recognize Aegon's claim. The other thing I could potentially see is I could see Otto getting killed by Damon if he shows up in Dragonstone again, which could have Alicent pull the offer of mercy altogether from the table. That would, I think that would feel rushed though. And I really hope they don't do that because this daughter versus father and brother versus brother thing that came out of this episode is probably one of the more compelling threads that came out of this episode. Up until now, it's like, will Renera get the throne, which has been kind of meh. We know she won't. Otherwise there's no story. Like that's the conflict. So, and it's basically the prep work to make sure she isn't 
easily challenged, which she fucked herself on by having bastard kids and hoped to patch it up by marrying Damon. But then ultimately they circumvented all that shit just now by rushing Aegon to the throne before anyone outside King's Landing can find out. So I keep I keep falling back to this whole thing where season one's pacing is just totally fucked up. Like if you're rushing through season one uh, as set up just to get to season two, then maybe you should have rethought the structure of your season one, man, because they just breeze through some of the stuff that matters for the characters or it happens off screen. And then what they choose to show, they either rush through that as well, like the Green Council stuff, like that we didn't see any plotting. It's just, oh, yeah, by the way, we've been plotting. Uh, or other stuff just takes way too fucking long. We'll save the mailbag until Mike gets back. You should be back next week. Um, as far as podcast news goes, remember that after House of the Dragon wraps up, we will be doing... His Dark Materials Season 3, and that's going to start in December. So we're taking, Mike and I are taking November off, and you have plenty of time if you have not watched His Dark Materials to start watching it and catch up and hopefully join us for Season 3. We have coverage of Season 2. I think we did five episodes for Season 2. Some of those cover two episodes at a time. Season 2, some of the episodes fell during the Thanksgiving holiday and Christmas holiday last year. So we had to roll two episodes into one. So I think there's five episodes of season two total. Check those out. I'll be putting those up on our YouTube. If you want to see the video of us from a couple years ago, those will be going up on the watchers on the couch, YouTube uh, in the days following the house of the dragon finale, but that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you for joining me. Hopefully you stuck with me. I know it's a little weird when there's just one person talking to nobody. Uh, it feels very weird for me. Like I already missed having a third co-host. Now it's just me alone on this island. Is there anybody out there? But come back next week. Uh, Mike and I will be together once again as we cover House of the Dragon, episode 10, the season finale, The Black Queen. And now my watch has ended. Until next week. Don't get your... Hey, if you made it this far into the show, let me just say thanks. It means a lot that you take the time to listen to us goof around, and we'd love to hear from you and let us know how we're doing. Consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or wherever you leave your podcast reviews, and reach out on any of our various social media channels. Links in the description.